The podcast is also sponsored by my good friend Tiger at It's Tiger Music on Instagram at itztiger.music. You can find all his work on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. He does all the music and tracks for the Block Hash podcast. Go check him out. Also, don't forget to check out Blockhash Plus on Patreon. This is something that's new, where you can learn more about trading, technical analysis, and charting, all for the price of two cups of coffee a month. That's pretty damn cheap. Sign up at patreon.com slash Blockhash. And last but definitely not least, Blockhash is offering consulting for all your blockchain needs. Buying, exchanging, selling, safe storage, tokenization, NFT creation, point of sale, you name it. We can help you. Go to blockhashpodcast.com slash consulting and let's talk. How's it going, guys? It is Wednesday, April 21st, episode 126. And today I have Gloria Wu. She is the chief of global ecosystem partnerships for ontology. We discuss how Ontology specializes in decentralized identity and data and how the Ontology blockchain offers businesses the tools necessary for identity and data management. Gloria was also previously a VP for Blue Elephant Capital and has a ton of experience in product marketing, operations, and consultancy. So with that said, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about blockchain, Gloria, Ontology, decentralized identity and data you name it enjoy gloria welcome to the podcast great to have you on how you doing good thank you for having me brandon of course of course so for my audience, um, can you tell them a little bit about yourself and how you, you know, got into the space, wanted to work in ontology, um, like what got you into blockchain and wanting to kind of be around it? Sure. Um, so I, um, I used to work for um, a pretty... Um, uh, established uh, global organizations um, and uh, spent some six years in Europe and then I returned to China uh, joined the, the the venture scene so um, mm -hmm. it was a fast-growing period for the internet uh, internet-based applications adoption I think that was the trend worldwide but uh, it was particularly interesting in China so I went back and I was uh, I was working for a early stage um, uh, incubator. So we basically work with entrepreneurs who want to be uh, starting their startups, uh, utilizing certain aspects of the internet to transform either a traditional area or to, uh, to, to, to provide some uh, different uh, new value propositions enabled by the business model of, of uh, internet. So I worked there for like two years and a half and seeing um, it's getting more and more expensive for customer acquisition in the internet phase. So I started to wonder why and uh, really dig into the, 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 some reasons behind that. And then I was also sort of by, um, by chance, one of my friends, um, she was working for Sequoia Capital 
in China, and uh, she also invested in a bunch of uh, internet-based uh, startups. And then she got into the blockchain thing. So she was telling me about like how uh, how this is going to be a completely different business model for 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 um, for applications. Um, how this is going to be a revolution from a lot of the norms that we used to know how things are done. Um, so I got pretty intrigued with the with the entire uh, vision of the space and also uh, certain new innovations in the space. Uh, so he, uh, she got me introduced to to the founders of Ontology, uh, Li Jun and uh, Da Hongfei. So um, 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 I got to know about the company um, um, and uh, I felt pretty good about what they're trying to do. They're basically uh, building a um, enterprise um, uh, centric uh, blockchain infrastructure um, called ontology and uh, this uh, this um, infrastructure enables different uh, applications um, uh, to do um, all kinds of uh, stuff but utilizing decentralized identity and other um, blockchain features and they are uh, doing a um, incubation program to to uh, empower a lot of um, the apps uh, decentralized applications at that time. So, so I I joined uh, Ontology, uh, working mostly on incubation and uh, ecosystem expansion. And uh, so, over the two years and a half I have been here, uh, we've tried different ways of driving um, blockchain adoption, decentralized identity adoption. So, we've been growing together. Uh, our insights, our experiences, our uh, understanding of the space and the path for, for adoption together with many other uh, uh, projects also working on decentralized identity such as sovereign, such as um, um, uh, projects in consensus like Uport and many others. So. Uh, it's been pretty interesting. Um, now we see that decentralized finance is really um, um, becoming very um, um, popular, even among the people who do not know so much about crypto and blockchain. Um, but we still kind of uh, um, have our uh, mind and our, our um, energy on decentralized identity and also trying to see uh, where is the the cross point between decentralized finance and decentralized identity? Um, and also, uh, previously we were very much heavy uh, at looking at uh, enterprise adoptions and you know this real world adoptions, so called real world adoption. Uh, but they're also <laughs> more looking into uh, very crypto native um, uh, scenarios, crypto native use cases. And this is also something we've learned watching how DeFi is uh, growing momentum, how uh, NFT is growing momentum. So uh, it's, it's, it's very promising also to, to think about crypto native uh, scenarios for, for identity. Um, so this is, has been a journey. I personally enjoyed it because I really do believe in the value of decentralized identity, uh, the value of blockchain. Uh, so yeah, still, still very much learning every day, and uh, trying to fix things every day as well. 
Is that a huge area for you guys, decentralized identity? Like, is that something you guys like spend your mo the most time on or is it is a big product of yours? Yeah, definitely. So if there's a label, if there's a like a feature for ontology as a uh, infrastructure, it's physically it's uh, decentralized identity protocols. And also decentralized identity is very closely connected to decentralized uh, data exchange. So that's that's another um, um, protocol that uh, we have been working on. So it's pretty much interconnected. Um, you mentioned DeFi too. Like, is that another area that you guys want to jump into, or have you already started building applications for DeFi? Or so, DeFi is obviously a a way. So to us, it's a it's a way for adoption, right? Um, we launched this uh, application called Wing Dot Finance uh, last year in September. So it's a lending um, platform. Um, we, our initial um, idea is to have a own, our own kind of like a, a platform so we can try to see what kind of innovation could be there and what's their potential uh, utilization of decentralized identity. So as a, um, let's say, um, typical um, lending platform, so Wing uh, Finance does over collateralized lending, but we also want to see if credit-based lending could be something that um, that can be um, having its own adoption in the DeFi DeFi field. So that's the sec. That's a, 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 an innovation of Window Finance. Uh, so <clears throat> we use the decentralized credit score, which is also needed um, um, uh, with the with the application of decentralized identity. So people don't necessarily have to collateralize, let's say, collateralize uh, $2 and, uh, and uh, borrow $1, right? So that's a very old-fashioned way of doing finance. It's basically probably dating back to the, the time when, when Venice was still a trade center, right? So basically, you know, you don't have much credit, then you have to collateralize a lot to get some credit. But if there's a way to kind of... Um, reflect how your behavior has been in the past. So in the modern finance, you basically do not need any collateralization almost, right, to, to borrow. You, you have your credit cards, has all the track records of your spending and your income. Then you use that track record basically to borrow money without any collateralization. So that's the idea that we're trying to explore. So if we could, because you have decentralized, um, you know, uh, track records basically with your with your assets in in DeFi. And if we can link that to your uh, decentralized identity and have these um data source to to generate some sort of like a credit score for you. And based on the score, you basically can lower your collateralization uh, rate um and uh, borrow um crypto. So, so that's the innovation of Window Finance. You can say that it's basically a playground for ontology to um, figure out what's the intersection um, between identity and DeFi. And we recently launched another new pool. It's called Any Pool. Um, so this pool is going to be even more innovative. Um, it's going to be able to uh, collateralize anything um, mm -hmm. to, to crypto 
So I, I probably don't go into too much details there because there's a lot to announce. Um, and um, uh, you'll hear more from our team on that. Um, but basically, we have crossed um, 300 million US dollars of total uh, value locked uh, a couple of days ago. Um, so this is a very good momentum. We're also launching Wind.Finance Finance on Ethereum and also upcoming on Binance Smart Chain. So uh, yeah, it's it's doing pretty well. The the, the DAO community has been very um, active, uh, even compared with some uh, very old, uh, not very old, but like uh, older uh, lending platforms. So we're pretty proud of our community engagement level. Um, but yeah, as as I mentioned, this is one uh, exploration that we do. Um, but we're still very much focusing on decentralized identity and data. Yeah, just to touch on that again for a second, because it's a new concept for me, um, mm. the whole idea of credit-based lending. So if you want a decentralized track record for someone for credit-based lending, how is that done in blockchain? Or how is that already done in blockchain? Um, so basically imagine you have your addresses, right? So address has your asset information. Um, um, uh, um, for a DeFi application, you could um, configure your own uh, definition of how that credit score is, is computed. You, have, you can have your own definition of how the algorithm should be or how the, the data source for that algorithm should be. So for Wing.Finance, um, we use certain attributes such as like your asset amount um, on different chains, right? Mm -hmm. uh, oh, sorry, on different chains uh, associated with your address. So uh, the simple hypothesis is that the higher the asset you have, you own, the the lower um, the possibility for you probably to just uh, default um, at a very um, a lower know, default rate. Yeah, small amount of borrowing. Yeah. So this is one of the logic, but you can configure other ones. For example, like if you, you think if a DeFi project thinks that um, you know, if this person has um, multiple types of um, assets, I don't know, or uh, have certain trading records that that more than two years, right? I, I don't know. Like it's mm -hmm. based on about their behaviors of the users. Um, so they can configure their own. There, it's you know the whole uh, decentralized identity and uh, credit score uh, from ontologies is very much open for other projects to use as well. So it's it's just there's some building blocks, some Legos that they can put together for themselves. So it's pretty much like attached more or less to the address than it is the actual person. Because if it's decentralized, and it's kind of hard to attach your data to that. Yeah, so we're experimenting different things. Um, um, it doesn't have to be only associated with assets of uh, asset records or asset attributes on that address. Mm -hmm. So uh, O score, uh, so basically O score is the name uh, for for that uh, whole credit uh, score um, protocol. Um, you could also have other uh, data sources um, for verification. For example, social verification like your Twitter account. Uh, or your, um, you know, if, if you want, it, you could also do like real world ID card verification. Um, you can also uh, verify through your usage of other 
applications, right? Um, for example, um, certain projects say if you have certain donation records on Gitcoin, um, you know, you're entitled for airdrops, right? So your certain donation records on Gitcoin could be a way to demonstrate you have been a um, responsible and active um, user in the DeFi world, and therefore your credit um, limit is a bit higher. So, so it's all kinds of um, possibilities um, with all kinds of data sources available in the crypto native world. Um, so it's very much open for um, different interpretation, configuration, and um, creative ways of doing it. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of creative ways, and it's definitely an early space. So I'm sure that all different kinds of solutions will, will crop up in time. Are you guys based in China? Uh, so our headquarters based in uh, Singapore. Oh, a lot of the the development teams are uh, in uh, in China in Shanghai. So where are you where are you right now? I am. <laughs> unfortunately, because of uh, COVID, <laughs> stuck in Shanghai. Um, mm -hmm. But I was also in Europe for a couple of months last year. Okay, very cool. You usually <laughs> work out of Shanghai, or? Um, I basically split my time between uh, Shanghai, Europe, um, uh, west coast of the states, mm -hmm. um, sometimes in Singapore, yeah, but most mostly in Europe and China, I would say, during the year. I've always wanted to go to Shanghai. Do you like it there? What's it like? I think you'll like it. <laughs> I'm Is pretty, it cool? Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a very dynamic uh, metropolitan city. And you'll be surprised how how diverse it is actually here with the different mm -hmm. lifestyles and different art and um, um, entrepreneurial scene as well. And um, people with all kinds of all walks of life, they're, you know, having different um, spaces for, for a lot of interesting uh, things going on. I think you will like it. Is it very um, business centric? Like do a lot of people go there to, to work and do business? And Yeah, it's, it's one of the um, business center in China. Um, very also very heavily focusing on um, finance as well. And uh, there are a lot of um, export oriented industries around Shanghai. So uh, Shanghai is also becoming a headquarter for uh, local export businesses, and also a lot of international uh, companies have their headquarters in Shanghai as well. Nice. Maybe my country will let me go to Shanghai one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we can have like a um, immunity passport or something like that, I, I would love to see that happening soon. So there's certain mobility can be restored in this world. Yeah. yeah. It's Dynamics between the U.S. and China are a little complicated right now, but who knows? Maybe in the future I'll be able to go and, and see all these cool places. Um, uh, so where are you based? I'm based in so like half the year I live in Medellin, Colombia, uh, and then the other half the year I live in the U.S. Mostly in Vegas. Right now I'm in Miami, so I'm like all over the place. Um, oh, wow! So yeah. now you're in. 
I'm in Miami right now, but I, I'll leave tomorrow and go back to Columbia. I'm yeah, I'm all over the place all the time. But I'm a U.S. citizen, so going to China is difficult for us because the government's like, why would you want to go to China? Why would you want to go there to that country? And I'm like, can't be that bad, is it? Well, I think the situation will be will be、uh, improving a lot、uh, with the new、um, administration. It's it's actually kind of.、Uh, A bad idea to to ban the the, <laughs> the traveling and communication between the two countries because a lot、mm -hmm. of business are、um, happening in between. You know, Tesla, you know, Tesla has a huge factory in Shanghai, gotten、oh, yeah. a deal from the from the Shanghai government for very cheap land and a lot of、uh, good policies for them to build cars here, right? So they can reduce the the price and、uh, a lot of. Investor friends of mine are very bullish on Tesla because they also believe that the China factory、uh, make it make it much more profitable than before, and this is only the start. So there's more potential in the business. So I personally don't believe in so much of.、Uh, I think there, there's definitely a lot of、um, populism、um, working、uh, in the political scene that you know makes it difficult. But from from the business communities I know in China as well as in、uh, in in the U.S., people are very much wanting to do business with each other. And U.S. is one of the most important innovation、uh, space, right?、You、can see that also in the, in the crypto and blockchain world.、Um, we're we're also growing our our team in the U.S.、Um, and、uh, China is a very big market, and also China is also pretty good at. Uh, implementing innovation, so、um, that dynamic, that collaborative dynamic, is actually pretty good for both.、Um, I more so. So this is also the reason why what we're trying to capitalize on as well, and、uh, I think more business can see that as well. I heard, by the way, I heard Miami is pretty teeming. Yeah,、uh, Miami's popping right now. <laughs> yeah, Miami is one of the few places in the U.S. right now that's completely opened up, and they've kind of just said "fuck it," like with the whole COVID thing. So, like that in Texas, and right now everyone's running to Miami to spend money and party and take their mask off and do business. And right now the economy is booming in Miami. Housing prices,、mm -hmm. apartment prices are through the roof.、Um, yacht sales are through the roof.、Um, Tourism through the roof, so、wow. yeah, it's pretty cool here. I've never been to Miami. I'd love to go. I've been to Colombia once. Yeah, where? <laughs> uh, Bogota. Bogota. Yeah, Bogota is、yeah, a cool city. It's um, it's、mm. a very big city. It's kind of cold, a little rainy sometimes. I think they do one of the big crypto conferences in Bogota, like DevCon or something like that. Yeah, I I I I've been there a couple of years ago、uh, when I was working for another organization. So we had a, a chapter in Colombia, and I was uh, I was uh, sort of like the the coach for that、uh, chapter.、Mm -hmm. <laughs> went to Bogota and went up the mountain. I think it's a lovely city, lovely country. Oh, it, it absolutely、well. is. Medellin is like my favorite city right now. It's beautiful there. It's warm, same temperature year round, same climate.、Um, building、yeah. a podcast studio down there too. You should come down, and we can do a live episode sometime. Yeah, that would be great. I've I've heard of that city, just、uh, mm -hmm. never had to go. Yeah, 
Hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. Well, you're invited, so just let me know when you're ready and we'll, we'll set it up. Thank you. Thank you. Um, do, with ontology, are you guys mostly okay. focused on building, you know, enterprise grade applications for companies like within China or in, or in Asia? Or are you guys also looking out to the West or to Europe, um, to some mm. other places as well, or to Latin America? Or where where is your market? Right. Um, because of our, our uh, team has a base in China, so we definitely watch very closely how the industry develops inside of China and try to do experiments, right? Um, but given the very unique attributes of decentralized identity, we think our market is going to be mostly in Europe and the US because, um, so from like a very, um, how to say, a very, non-technical way of understanding what uh, decentralized identity is trying to do is basically um we all know that uh web 2 let's say web 2 applications they they provide services to you and they they, they lock your data in their servers right so because mm -hmm. they, they data in their own servers so they can uh provide free services to you but in exchange they use that data to target you put labels on you to, to recognize your advertisement worth and sell targeted stuff to you and earn loads of advertisement money. Right? Basically, that's the, that's the business model of uh, internet companies. Um, so it's the same as these data basically define who you are, right? And those, those data are also locked in the servers of service providers. So um, the entire thing we're trying to do is to free that, uh, free the definition, the source of defining who you are and uh, what kind of track records you had that defines who you are to be completely self-sovereign. So self-sovereign identity is the vision uh, for, for decentralized identity. So basically you uh, have the freedom to control the kind of uh, um, data that you that you demonstrate who you are. For example, um, 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 if you if you want to, uh, uh, so if someone wants to know uh, if you have worked uh, in a particular company, right? So they don't have to um, they don't have to uh, go to some uh, random site and look 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 you up. And try to see uh, what kind of uh, you know records are there, or they don't have to um, you know maybe call your employee and behind your back and say like okay uh, if this person ever worked in your place. So basically, what they do uh, in the decentralized identity world would be they would request you to provide a proof to say um, you have worked in a particular company, and then you would ask your uh, company to provide a proof and you show the proof to this request a uh, person who, uh, organization who requested only the part of the information that they need with your authorization the rest of the information you do not have to another uh, typical example is um, if if you want to prove that you are eligible to buy alcohol you're, you're more than 21 in the states for example uh, you have to show an ID of yours, right? and then that ID contains a lot of information that is more than uh, your age. 
but with uh, decentralized identity and also the uh, associated uh, zero knowledge proof technology. Uh, you could they could just ask like if you're above 21 or not, and then the ID issuer as a trusted source will be able to um, answer that question with a yes and no. Um, and then you just return that yes or no to that alcohol seller, and then you get your get your alcohol. So, so this whole thing is very much privacy protected. Uh, we did a we did a uh, minimum viable product um, with with uh, Daimler Mobility last year. Um, so the idea is that um, when when you have your car, it's an it's an Internet of Things. It's connected to the Internet, connected to many other services. Um, if the car, imagine if the car operating system knows a lot of things about you and these all information, including your route, your, 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 even your, um, I don't know, your weight, uh, your, your mood, if there's like facial recognition also enabled, uh, even um, conversations you had inside of the car and, you know, whatever all under um you know um you know inside of their own server server room that's pretty scary right mm -hmm. so if um this whole thing the entire setup of the operating system when you're entering a smart car is is decentralized and uh you use your fingerprint to unlock the car you, you get into the car um you know you, you want uh, for example like a map service and a map service um, provides that service to you based on your decentralized identity and disconnects from all your data and your identity after services provision is, is completed. And uh, another service provider will be able to um, get some information from the previous application to, to provide a more customized service to you um, while this whole thing is within your authorization so you know exactly who is using what data to do what. And this is all controlled by your self-sovereign uh, identity and data. Then it's a much safer approach. So, so a lot of car companies, such as Daimler, they were interested in solutions because they believe that their their clients will be asking for more uh, privacy privacy um, protected ways of engaging with their services. And they also know if they want to beat players such as uh, Apple building cars nowadays as well. And that there are a bunch of Chinese companies like uh, Xiaomi and Baidu, these internet companies nowadays also announcing that they're going to build cars. Imagine they're going to have their centralized operating system running those cars, right? Yeah. So if the car companies wants to have a differentiated way to win their customers over, they cannot compete with a centralized software operating system, you know, iOS or some other um, systems are pretty good nowadays. So they need to look something else, which is valuable for their clients, but also a differentiated comp competition point. So that's why they look into decentralized uh, systems to run the cars, to, to engage services for their, for their uh, users, drivers. Um, so this is, uh, this is something that we were doing uh, last year with them. Um, now we also um, see that uh, enterprise adoption is a very long road 
Um, it takes many years uh, for industries to get get on board, implement, produce, um, you know, uh, services or products uh, cons consumers can use. So we'll, we'll keep on working on that, and we will prioritize markets where uh, privacy is more appreciated or is more important to to everyday people. Um, and uh, at the same time, we also look into crypto native fields. So credit based uh, lending was one of the one of the directions. The other ones could be um, pretty pretty um, simple stuff like. Um, in order to uh, vote, right, in a DAO, or in order to um, qualify for airdrops in a, in a, a new project, you have to prove that you're not a robot, or you're not, uh, you know, you know this this address is not one of the one hundred addresses someone has, right? So so then you're you're not civil civil resistant. Uh, so I think this type of uh, scenarios. Um, um, decentralized identity is going to be helpful. And so recently, I have been looking into uh, non-fungible uh, token um, marketplaces, for example, art and digital arts, um, uh, NFTs. So you also need a way to verify if this artist is actually a, a renowned artist or has a track record of producing arts uh, it's not someone just use their name or use their 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 digital um, um, products to to fake, right? So these type of uh, platforms also need some sort of uh, verification. Uh, you can choose to verify in a very centralized way. You know, someone you know looks at all the information and say, okay, this might be a good artist. But you can also do the the, the crypto native or the blockchain way, which is decentralized verification based on decentralized identity and uh, verifiable credentials. So this is something we have been working with some platforms already. So hopefully we'll be able to announce their names as pioneers in this direction. Um, but we, we see this as something valuable to add to the to the crypto and blockchain scene. Yeah, it looks it sounds like there's a lot that you can do with it for a lot of different um, you know uses with a lot of different companies like we kind of explained. So that's it's really cool and exciting uh, what you can do with decentralized identity. Do you guys have existing partnerships um, that you know are public or that you're able to talk about that you're building use cases for or that are testing out applications on ontology? Um so uh, we we had this partnership with uh, Daimler Mobility, um, and uh, now we're evolving this into an uh, independent um, project. Um, and uh, we are uh, having a partnership with a crowdsourcing work platform in the states called Microworkers. Mm -hmm. um, so they they provide work, uh, digital work for uh, workers around the world. So uh, we help them to use a crypto way to get their uh, payments, as well as having a um, track uh, like a record of their work certification. So they can take it with them, and they can actually show it in the future as part of their resume uh, to other platforms. Um, and uh, uh, we're also working, as I said, we're working with some uh, NFT platforms to to do a verification for artists and artwork and also buyers. 
Um, so these are the current directions. And Wind.Finance Finance is one of the um, uh, partners uh, that we have with the ontology ecosystem that tries out this whole credit score uh, idea. And we've also seen uh, some more um, DeFi projects looking into the credit score direction. But I think this is still a, a bit early. So uh, if we have something that we can announce, um, we'll definitely uh, share how it works with the community. What do you think of DeFi? It's a pretty cool space, huh? It's magical, right? So <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, it's magical. <laughs> this whole liquidity mining concept. Um, I would say together was the bullish market for for institutional adoption of of Bitcoin really got this whole thing soaring. Um, I, I think still very much early stage. Um, we've we are starting to see um, uh, more uh, strategy votes, more uh, issuance products, kind of like different uh, synthetic assets, right? Um, I think these are still pretty um, early stage innovations in this space. Um, the most amazing thing DeFi was able to achieve is that um, previously cannot really imagine how easily people, let's say, people from Colombia can put money next to people from um, Ireland and people from Vietnam, right? So, so now it's all possible. This is not possible in the traditional finance world, but this is possible in, in, a, in a new DeFi world. Um, and uh, you can do investments on any pro uh, products, any financial products without much of a, a um, national restriction of boundaries and jurisdiction, mm -hmm. which is so, uh, probably a concern, but I, I think the innovation side is, is much bigger than the concern. Is there a restriction for Chinese citizens to be able to, you know, utilize DeFi and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, uh, let's just say that, uh, for example, like American citizens could open an account uh, with Coinbase, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's not so, it's not like a legally clear that a Chinese citizen can do that. So they can, they can do that but at their own risk. But right? is it like illegal like will they get in trouble for owning bitcoin or something like that or is it still kind of up in the air mm, i think the the approach the the the, the chinese uh, legislators are um similar to what um, some european legislators are doing so um they wouldn't say this is illegal mm -hmm. they just have another way to regulate it in a legal way <laughs> they also think this is probably still very small scale and uh, uh, it's, it's pretty innovative and changing very fast. So they want to kind of see how it, how it goes, right? Mm -hmm. Before they have a more uh, clear and uh, structured way of dealing with it. So this is, but this is something that we've seen, uh, maybe the, the, the regula regulatory developments in other countries will um, have uh, inspirations for uh, for for some some countries to follow, right? As some, I think mm -hmm. Germany and uh, Singapore um, and uh, the U.S. Um, probably will have more um, pioneering regulatory uh, policies that can kind of 
really test for the rest of the world to see how it goes and you know uh, do something based on that. Yeah, it's more likely that those jurisdictions lead global um, legislation and regulation when it comes to crypto. But it'd be cool to get China into the market. It's such a big market, so many people. So yeah. it'd be nice if they'd come around to it and just kind of let everyone use Bitcoin. But I don't know. It's not yeah. really a role, huh? Yeah, people are <laughs> mining <laughs> Bitcoins. I know. Um, yeah, it's it's not with this is it, it's not within the current legal structure, but it's kind of normal in the development, economic development of China. So this is something. This is an angle to understand the Chinese economic development. So, so what is not not allowed is kind of allowed. <laughs> what do you mean by you know, that? Like, How is it kind of allowed? Um, you know, like in the very beginning, uh, private economy, right? In the in the in the nineteen eighties, nineteen seventy, end of seventies, nineteen eighties, when China was was trying to open up and do uh, economic revolution, mm-hmm. private was was not um, allowed. So before that, private economy was not allowed, and in the limbo years, it was not clearly not allowed, right? And uh, a lot of innovation just spurs from that. And then um, these innovation also change the direction of policy making. And they uh, got more formalized into new regulations and laws. So this has always been a way of how uh, China tries things in a small scale and see how it goes and then, or allow it in a, in a sort of like uh, uncharted area for, for some time and then uh, figure out how to how to do it in a more um, structured way. So, um, yeah, I think um, um, China is still an important player in the, in the crypto in the crypto space. Um, but definitely, in terms of um, application level adoptions, we see a lot of potential um, in uh, in in markets where. Uh, people start to uh, really not happy with how centralized service providers um, are capitalizing on their data to do whatever they want. And this is something, um, you know, still um, in a very early stage of acknowledging this uh, in Asia. I wouldn't say it's only in China. I would say uh, in Asia. Um, But... um, I think things will change soon as well if there's more such awareness and consensus happening globally. Yeah, well, hopefully we get to that point. We'd love to see the Chinese economy come around to it and you know, get, let the government get access to Bitcoin and stuff like that. So hopefully it picks up and there's more confidence with it. Um, but like regarding oncology, what's the roadmap look like for you guys You know, going into the rest of 2021? Do you have some of the big plans or announcements or partnerships you're working on or um what, what should people know um ontology uh is is trying to abstract its uh, decentralized identity um um uh protocols to be uh also um uh connecting it with other ecosystems as well so now um binance smart chain ethereum um, and some other public chains 
they all have this uh, aunt ID uh, identifier registered. Um, uh, so there's a certain um, implementation of DI, ontology DID in their ecosystem made possible. Um, um, and um, um, now applications can use uh, our SDKs to, to use decentralized identity and verifiable credentials um, on any, um, basically not any chain, but like a lot of these uh, most um, populated chains that they want. So it's inherently uh, cross-chain in that sense. Um, and uh, Wing.Finance will be uh, supporting other chains as well. Um, and uh, uh, Ontology Chain will be supporting EVM. Um, this is part of the roadmap this year. And we're also building a um, layer two um, Ethereum, capitalizing on the Ontology blockchain and also our DID protocols. So I think that the general direction uh, in our roadmap this year is to be more connected with other ecosystems and having um, more integrated collaborations um, to, to use, to drive adoptions for ontology identity framework. Um, so, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a very dynamically changing space. So I think new partnerships are hard to predict. <laughs> yeah. Changing every quarter. <laughs> That's good though. It seems like you guys got a lot going on and it's exciting. So looking forward to seeing what you guys have to roll out the rest of the year and going forward. But yeah, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. I think we went for quite a while. So, Loria, thanks for taking the time to come on the podcast and share about ontology and decentralized identity and and then DeFi and what's going on in China and um, your life in Shanghai. And yeah, a lot of cool stuff. Appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate your time and also this conversation. I had fun. I hope your audiences will be as well. <laughs> I'm glad you had fun. I'm sure they'll enjoy it. <laughs>